This program discusses topics not suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Prepare yourself. It's time for the Shriekcast with Edgar. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another Shriekcast. I hope you all had a safe and fantastic Halloween. I recently tweeted a link to a video regarding tin films too disturbing for mainstream audiences of their time. Most of these films are from the 20s through the early 60s. This got me thinking. When did my most beloved film genre begin? Who were the dreamers and who had the guts, figuratively? No gore fests here, sorry folks. I'm going to talk about some early horror films and directors with some backstory and then give you my thoughts on some of those films. I'd love to hear from you all as well, so follow and connect with the show on Twitter at the Shriekcast. Before that, as per usual, let's talk about some horror news. First, in a little in-house news, you may or may not have noticed some changes to our logo, intro, theme, etc. There are more ideas in the old pan brain, and I'd love to hear from you. Do you like the changes so far? What would you do different? Let us know. Horror News Network is reporting Disney has confirmed it will release a sequel to Hocus Pocus. Jin D'Angelo has been hired to write the script. No stars have been signed to the project as of yet. However, sources are saying D'Angelo is tasked with bringing back the original cast of Winifred, Bette Midler, Sarah, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Mary, Kathy Najimi. The sequel is being produced as a Disney Plus exclusive. Sorry, Netflix and Hulu subscribers. Dr. Sleep, the follow-up to the film adaptation of Stephen King's The Shining, opened on the 8th. At the time of writing, sources were predicting the film could gross $30 million in ticket sales or more on opening, reports comicbooks.com. Fangoria tells us that Guy Pearce is set to star in The Seventh Day, a film that's plot has been summarized as The Exorcist meets Training Day. This sounds interesting, to say the least, and I can't wait to hear more. The news wouldn't be complete without a birthday. Actor and special effects artist Tom Savini, who you've heard mentioned on the show before, turned 73 on November 3rd. Happy birthday, Tom. Now, on to the discussion. I ashamedly admit that as a self-proclaimed horror fan, I did not know how far horror and cinema went back. I assumed, for whatever reason... It began in the 20s with Nosferatu, and not much else. I wasn't aware of horror's existence before and during the early infancy of the turn of the century. So then, let's start at the beginning. Georges Melez's 1896 House of the Devil is the oldest horror film on record. It was thought to have been lost until a copy was discovered in the New Zealand Film Archives in 1988. The film has also been known as Haunted Castle, Devil's Manor, etc. The film is a short story that I can see how it was probably scary in its day, maybe. Uh, the movie's a collection of short sketches. It began with a devil summoning three demons to prank these two men who enter shortly thereafter, uh, until one of the men bandages the devil with a crucifix. A House of the Devil was filmed in Georges Melez's garden and starred uh, his future wife, 
uh, Jean Dalcy. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Maybe Jean Dalcy. Uh, in modern times, it really comes off as silly or cheeky, but uh, I mean, it is it is still a very important piece of cinema history and and horror history in particular. So if you're interested in seeing it, uh, it can be found on YouTube. I've also shared a link to it as well on uh, the Shriekcast's Twitter feed. So check that out. Four years later, Faust et Marguerite would be released by the Edison Manufacturing Company. The film was directed by Edwin S. Porter. The film is based on the Michel Kerr play Faust et Marguerite and the 1859 opera Faust adapted from the play by Charles Gounod. A lot of, a lot of adapted there. Um, this one really doesn't have much story to it. I think more it was Edison kind of showing the you know what his cameras and, and what his technology, for lack of a better term, could do in that day. Uh, plot's really kind of thin, so it's not, I'm not criticizing. I can't really say much about it either way, yay or nay. So it's just it's just there. Uh, through the early 1900s, directors like Melez, Deschamon, and Booth, to name a few, would go on to create horror films, some with fairly impressive illusions and effects for their time. In 1903, Melez released Le Monstre, or The Monster, which was an uh, illusion and trick film. An Egyptian prince hires a priest to resurrect his dead wife. The priest recovers the wife's skeleton from her tomb and prays over it. Said skeleton begins to take on life of its own, dancing around and tormenting the two men. The priest covers it with a shroud and continues praying, at which point it becomes a shrouded monster running around and uh, growing from uh, small to tall and back again, uh, which is a, a pretty impressive effect for that day, I think. Uh, at that point, the priest says some more prayers, and eventually the monster turns into the prince's wife. In 1906, Millez's Les Quatre Sens du Diable, I hope I got that right, or The 400 Tricks of Satan, would be released. This film, as most of the day, would be very illusion-heavy. However, this one has a more fleshed-out storyline. Inventor William Crackford is visited in his workshop by famed alchemist Alcofrisbus, the devil in disguise. The engineer and his assistant tell Alcofrisbus that they want to make a high-speed trip around the world. The alchemist promises Crackford by giving him a batch of pills that, when thrown on the ground, release his assistants, which are really the seven deadly sins, to grant him wishes. As you can assume, when Crackford uses the pills, things start to go wrong. The assistants spring to life in Crackford's home, popping out of trunks of varying size. Once empty, the trunks become a train that Crackford and his family board. Let's just leave it at the train voyage does not go without hitch. Eventually ending at a village where Crackford and assistant end up taking a horse and buggy ride that, uh, that uh, is not to be forgotten. I don't want to share too much. This one is definitely worth a watch in my estimation. But I will say the... Uh, the uh, buggy ride scene uh, to me is one of the most impressive scenes of early cinema of that and uh, I also really enjoyed the 1902 film La Voyage dans la Lune which I believe is also a malaise as well but the the art style of those two kind of really kind of I think uh, remind me of each other in some ways 
Uh, a personal favorite of mine from this time frame is Segundo de Chamon's horror comedy Haunted House, released in 1908, uh, which follows a trio torment inside a haunted house. The yeah, they experience everything from typical bedsheet ghost uh, floating around to the house doing a literal barrel roll. Uh, my favorite scene is at the table uh, where a, a knife slices bread by itself and uh, teapots fill cups by themselves. Uh, you know, it was pretty, uh, pretty cool, and I'm sure it was probably very something uh, different to to see in those days. Um, not to mention Shimon's use of, of creepy and, and distorted faces as well. During this time frame, most horror would come from France, Spain, the UK, and the US. So you're going to be hearing a lot of Malaise, de Chamon, stuff like that. So to break from, uh, from France, in 1910, Thomas Edison released Frankenstein, loosely based off the work of Mary Shelley. The film was shot in three to four days in Edison's studio in the Bronx, New York. The production was deliberately designed to de-emphasize the horrific aspects of the story and focus on the story's mystical and psychological elements in an effort to remove anything that would be repulsive to audiences of the day. Even though there really there's nothing graphic or whatnot, you know, I guess the Things were different back then. Like uh, The House of the Devil, this particular version of Frankenstein was believed to be lost, uh, but in 1963, a plot description and some still photos from the 1910 film catalog titled Edison's Kinetogram surfaced. In the early 1950s, a print of the film was purchased by a Wisconsin film collector, and I'm going to probably butcher this, so my apologies, Alois? Alois F. Detlef. I'm sorry if I, I completely ruined that. Uh, from his mother-in-law, who also collected films. He didn't realize its rarity until many years later. Its existence was first revealed in the 1970s. Uh, although somewhat deteriorated, the film was in viewable condition, complete with the titles and tense as seen in 1910. In 1911, director Giuseppe de Liguro released L'Inferno, uh, loosely adapted on the events of uh, Dante's Inferno. This movie took more than three years to complete uh, and raised more than $2 million in the U.S. Uh, this would be the first uh, Italian full-length f- full feature movie. Uh, it, L'Inferno is also noted as one of the earliest films uh, to feature both nudity and a depiction of Muhammad, which is, we all know, that's something that is quite frowned upon, but, you know, they, uh, they didn't care, they just took the chance, I guess, and, um, you know, it's, L'Inferno is a pretty well-known film, and it, for its day, it did quite well, so I guess it all worked out in the end, uh, like, other films from this time frame, footage of L'Inferno would be reused, uh, and recycled in other films as late as the 1950s. And at the end of the list is the 1920 German Expressionist movie, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. The plot involves Francis, our protagonist, sharing the harrowing tale of he and his fiancée, Jane, played by Lil Dagover's encounter with Dr. Caligari, and his somnambulist, Caesar, who the doctor uses in a trance-like state 
to commit murder. The murders begin when Caligari sets up a show for a festival in the town that Francis resides in. Um, I really, I mean, I hate to kind of use this term because it sounds pretentious and whatnot, but I really do think visually this this movie is is really impressive. Uh, the backdrops are, have doors and, and windows and the, and the furniture is all sort of odd shape and size and, and angle. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like, you know, watching Pee Wee's Playhouse as a kid. Um, even the dialogue cards are very striking. You know, there's there, there's like, ab, they're like abstract art themselves. Um, there, I feel that uh, there is a bit of a slow pace problem with this film. Uh, unfortunately, that kind of drags it down a little bit from what it, what it could be. Uh, and I, I think a lot of silent films, unfortunately, suffer from this as well. I, I, I don't know if it's just the lack of dialogue making it uh, you know, seem slower or, or maybe harder to follow or whatnot, um, because it's not like most of these movies are very long. So I, you know, like I said, I, the only thing I can think of is just the lack of of speech and just you know having to draw the story from what you're seeing makes it seem like it's a little slower than it might actually be otherwise. Um, I will say that uh, if you would like to see any of these movies yourself. Uh, the YouTube channel Silent Film House is an excellent repository of early cinema of all genre. I'd really like to uh, say a thank you to these guys because without them, I really wouldn't have gotten to see m these movies, and I'm glad I did. Uh, and the beauty of these films uh, in this article is, uh, is because they were released before 1924, they're all public domain, and hence, you know, no studio can lay claim to them and pull them off the web and... and you know, lock them up in a vault. They're easy to find and enjoy. Uh, so if you're interested in seeing any of them, I encourage you to go look. I mean, they're, most of them are short, so it doesn't take long for you to watch. And you may really be, you know, amazed and impressed by some of these as I was. Um, I would, uh, I'd love to uh, really do like another episode at some point, you know, of uh, horror from like the 1920s on to the 50s or 60s. Uh, I really enjoyed, you know, kind of getting a history lesson here of, of horror and, and cinema's past. Um, so uh, who knows, that, that may happen in the, in the future. Uh, for now, I guess that just about wraps up this episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please rate and share wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, we'd love to hear from you as well, so connect with the show on Twitter, again, at the ShriekCast. Until next time, this is your friend Edgar reminding you to lock your doors and check your back seat. Have a good evening. <laughs>